When I think about men, I gave this scripture uh, to the men on Friday. It was out of Joel chapter 3, verse 9. Something leaped in my spirit on the plane over, and I couldn't help, but it said this. It said, prepare for war and wake up the mighty men. I, it was it, What stood out to me wasn't that there weren't mighty men. It's that men were asleep. And it wasn't just normal men or nominal men. It was mighty men. How God has a category that men can step into that are not just normal men, but they are mighty men. Are you with me? And I believe that what God is doing at Hill City, what he's doing in Mansfield, what he's doing online, what he's doing at the 12, I can tell you he is waking up the mighty men. Come on, ladies, if you know God is waking up the sleeping giant on the inside of your baby's daddy, come on, let's make some noise because God is waking up mighty men. I want to get into this message. I'm going to teach. In fact, I taught on this message to my students, and I honestly think I probably borrowed all of Pastor Adam's notes. If there has been a life message that Pastor Adam has given to us as young ministers, to the thousands upon thousands that have graduated from Bible college under his leadership, from those of us who have been under his tutelage and his mentorship, it has literally been integrity. The inner and the outer anointing. I remember when you first preached that. I'm talking about how staying pure. If I've seen anything him live it out, I've had the privilege to be with him in private moments. I've traveled with him to other nations. I remember being in Colombia and him talking about integrity. I remember being in Mexico City with him and him talking about integrity. I remember being in his own home with his own family and talking about integrity. I remember having him with us in California and he's talking about integrity. And so I'm intimidated this morning, but I'm going to make you proud. I promise you that. Are you ready for this word, Hill City? All right. Uh, I, I'm going to jump all over the Bible, but I make no apologies for that. That's like going to Chick-fil-A and them saying, I'm sorry, I only serve chicken. All right. We at church, we're going to read the Bible. Are you with me? All right. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I believe they have the notes. Oh, they do. I gave this to them like maybe 10 minutes before service. I'm that guy. For, thank you, media team. Come on, give it up for the media team. I'm going to move quick here. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourself. Notice that. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but spiritual training, training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the one to come. I think there is an ongoing training in every man, and that is the place of integrity. Because you come into new seasons and new levels and new pressures and new relationships, and you will have to constantly train yourself. In other words, it is not my job as a pastor to train you to be godly. It is our responsibility, our own spiritual responsibility. It is our own uh, mandate to train ourselves to be godly. And I think, uh, I believe that, uh, that we are in these days because we've expected too little from ourselves. And what we as men need to understand is that it is time that we trained ourselves. It is not my wife's job. It is not my children's job. It is not my pastor's job. It's not my boss's job. It's not even my father's job. It's not my parents' Train yourself to be godly. Are you following me? I, I want to look at two people here that will help us grow in this area of integrity as we're standing in this incredible day of fatherhood. I want to look at the role integrity plays in the life of a believer by comparing two people in Scripture. The first one would be Joseph. You remember Joseph 
has a dream, has prophetic uh, mandates, has mantles, has mindset, has all of that, but talks too much, runs his mouth, lives in comparison, and speaks up, speaks down to those who he should be leading up to, right? And so he, he actually gets sold into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar met, recognizes this guy's got a gift of leadership and raises him to being over everything in his house. Only thing that's not under his leadership is his own wife. But this wife, you're going to see her. This girl, she a thirst trap like you've ever seen in your life. If you don't know what that is, don't Google it, all right? <laughs> Genesis 39, verse 7 says, And Potiphar's wife, watch this, begin to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Look at this old lust bucket right here. I'm telling you. Come and sleep with me. She ain't even trying to like smooth, flirt, seduce. She's just like, let's have sex. That's literally what she's saying. Come and sleep with me. But Joseph refused to look. Look at him winning the purity battle right there. That's how you win your purity battle, what you look at. He said, you'll find that purity and what you look at are always connected in the Bible. Uh, he said, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has authority more than I do. He's held back nothing for me except you because you were his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. And one day, however, no one else was around, and she went in while he was doing his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. This lady does not give up. Come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand as he ran out of the house, and Joseph became the first streaker in the Bible probably true I don't know could have been I don't know let me tell you something she says come and sleep with me and he says no and she grabs his cloak and he flees from sexual perversion like scripture says and he runs out without his cloak let me tell you something man she got his cloak but she didn't get his character and that is exactly the type of man that God is raising up in this hour is men who don't care what the outside looks like I care more about what the inside is going to look like because there's a generation coming after me I'm not a father on accident I'm not a father because I had a night of passion I'm a father because God anointed me he mantled me and he ordained me come on anybody else grateful for the godly fathers in our life who understood this responsibility. He protects his integrity. But then look at this. Here's Samson. I want to look at Samson. Samson has everything we would want in ministry. This guy has a prophesied birth from an angel. His parents asked, tell us what manner of man he will be. Manoah literally asked his dad, tell us what manner of man he will be so we know how to raise him. I mean, you can get prophetic words and direction for your kids before they're here. And they, I mean, he has everything. And he has this anointing to defeat the enemies of God and can single-handedly uh, defend the nation of Israel all on his own. This guy, Samson, the people couldn't figure out, how is this guy so strong? They're, the Bible says the secret of Samson's strength. You know, I, I, was, I was at a hotel uh, yesterday, and there was a bodybuilding competition. It's no secret these guys are strong. And when I was thinking about Samson, Samson must have not looked like this bodybuilder or this crossfitter. Come on, every crossfitter is getting hyped right now because I gave him a shout out, right? Um, it's like vegans and crossfitters. They just need attention, you know. Um, 
I, I'm from California, it's true. Um, you know, you, it, 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 the secret of the strength is not, I know why that bodybuilder's strong, I know why this guy goes to them strong. So I, it tells me that Samson didn't look like a bodybuilder, he probably looked like me. <laughs> but he had a secret to his strength. But watch how Samson handles an integrous moment, or mishandles Judges chapter 16, verse 1. It says, one day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. This guy, this prostitute, we have no record of her enticing him. We have no record of flirting going on, no record of seducing going on. He literally goes and finds perversion. He looks perfect on the outside. He looks like he's the hero. He's got the status. He's big man on camera. He is, nobody is messing with Samson. Yet look at Samson's profile. Check this out. Samson was physically strong, but he was morally weak. Samson was outwardly anointed, but inwardly empty. Samson was a public success, but a private failure. Samson was a he-man. Come on, anybody remember he-man? Y'all masters of the universe. I'm taking him back to the 80s, right? He was a he-man with a she-weakness. I'm telling you right now, I feel the Spirit of God in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You are waking up the mighty dads. The mighty fathers. I even thank, Lord, I thank you for fathers. I thank you for stepfathers. I thank you for those who have stood in the place of being a father when our own fathers vacated their own responsibility and another man stepped in. God, I thank you for surrogate fathers. I thank you for single moms that are having to play both roles. And Lord, whatever they feel like is being left out, you're a good father and you'll make up whatever that mom may not know or whatever she may lack. God, I know that you're a father. The first thing that Jesus called you was a father. The first thing we relate to you is a father. You called us sons and daughters. You're a Father, Lord, I pray for the anointing of heaven of fatherhood to come back into the men of God. Wake up, the mighty men. I speak to this atmosphere. I say you're full of strength, you're full of hope, and you're full of peace right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Obviously, I'm calling this message integrity. No, no fancy names. I, I'm past all of that. I want to teach today. On integrity. Now, I'm a preacher, but I'm going to try and force myself to teach. I remember I had a moment of integrity. You, you ever been in traffic and integrity is being tested? Some of you are like, no, I got great patience. I got great integrity. Let's go watch you on 67 North. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to find out who's integrous and who's not. You ever been standing in line and people come in and they start cutting in line and you're just like, what do I do? Because I'm about to go all hood on them right now. Right? I'm going to lay hands on these people right now. Come on, I'm from, I'm from the border, all right? I know what we're doing. I know three places to bury bodies. I used to live here. I guarantee you that lots is still vacant, all right? Like I'm telling, we have all of these past reference points for how we handle things, but then when we get saved and we give our lives to Jesus, you're like, how do I handle this? This is where integrity steps in. I remember one time I had an eBay store. Pastor Adam remembers this. I had an eBay store because as a youth pastor, first off, you don't go in the ministry for the money. It's true. Trust me. All right? And so everybody's got a side hustle. This is before Uber, Uber Eats, all of this. All right? I had an eBay store. And I would sell uh, different video games. I would sell different Blu-rays and DVDs when we still sold those. I, I would sell consoles. And uh, this is back when the, before the Switch, Nintendo DS. Y'all remember the DSs, right? Some of you still like, still got it in my pocket, ready to go, right? Transformers was off the chain. So 
I remember I sold two overnight and most of my sales were from overseas because they didn't have access to all of it that we had here. So I would just overnight ship it and make some money. And so I went into a, a, a store and I bought two D, I, I grabbed two DSs, I went to the counter and I remember I'm walking back to the car and as a businessman, I'm the type of guy that checks the receipt. Did anybody else do this? I, I checked the receipt just to make sure I didn't get overcharged. Well, this time, they undercharged me. I'm, I'm in my car looking at the receipt. They only charged for one, but let me out with both. Now, there are two types of Christians in this moment right here. <laughs> you're laughing because you're like, oh, my God, I did that yesterday at Target. <laughs> right? There are two types of Christians right here. There is the one type is like, Look at my Jesus. Isn't he giving me? I told you, he works all things on your children and my children and all the other kids and how the song goes. I'm telling you, start praising God because you're like, I knew my breakthrough was coming. <laughs> you know, you're laughing too hard because we've all had these thoughts. You're just like, but then you remember you're really saved. You're not, you're not soft saved. You're really saved. You know, I'm like, and then you get mad. You know what I'm saying? Then comes in the second Christian. Well, now I got to go in and tell them their mistake, which is pretty embarrassing in our culture because this never happens. I remember I walked in, and I told the lady, and she sat me on the counter, and she calls me up, and she says, come on up, baby. And I said, ma'am, listen, um, I was walking out. You know, I just paid for a DS, but you only charged me for one, and I need you to charge me for two. And she said, huh? <laughs> this is literally when she tilted her head, Huh? I said, you charge me for one, I need you to charge me for two. Huh? I'm not lying. This is what she said. She said, hold up right here. And she goes and grabs her manager. And I'm thinking, there's no way they're going to get me for stealing this thing. I brought it back. It's on, like, I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm telling. He comes back. Sir, tell me what the, sir, I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but, you know, I only got charged for one. I need you to charge me for two. They both went, huh? I'm telling you. They were shocked. And the manager said, I know you're a man of integrity. I bet you a church-going man because only those type of people would come back and pay for a second DS. This isn't a big, I raised the dead, or I said this to a, a world leader. This isn't a big, I healed the sick, or I won this influencer to Jesus. You know what this is? This is the biggest test of your life. When nobody else is looking, when nobody else cares, do you have integrity in the shadows like you do in the shine? You know what I'm saying? Do you have integrity when it counts? Do you have integrity when there's pressure? Do you have integrity when you have doubts? Do you have integrity when you're losing sleep? Do you have integrity when there's money issues? Do you have integrity when they're batting their eyes at you and flirting with you? Do you have integrity? Wake up! The mighty man. Are you with me? I truly believe that I, I don't care how anointed you are, how successful you are, how gifted you are, how valuable you are to whatever team. If your anointing runs longer than your integrity, you're in trouble. If your giftedness runs longer than your integrity, you're in trouble. If your success runs longer, if your reputation runs longer than your integrity, you are in trouble. So let me just simplify this. In fact, let me just say this. In our day, we have witnessed a massive lack of integrity. We, we have witnessed businessmen. We have witnessed politicians and athletes have moral failures. Scandals of business come out 
corruption to the hottest and the hardest and the core of who people are. And what, what's most confusing is when believers, especially ministers, lack integrity, which we've seen too much of in the last 14 months. Integrity keeps you from sinning. I'm telling you, but anointing does not. And if you are a leader in this room, which I this is a church that raised up leaders, whether you're at Mansfield, online, at the 12, you're a leader in your, if you're in here, you're gonna be a leader. It does not matter how much anointing you have. Integrity is what keeps you in God's favor and anointing does not. I'm trying to help you. Let's get into this. Let me answer this simple question. What is integrity and why do we need it? Integrity is simply this, doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing when nobody's looking. It's doing the right thing when no one else will know about it except you and the Lord. It's doing the right thing when it's hard. Look, look at what Scripture says about integrity, or even look at other words that is used for integrity. You'll find that integrity in the original Greek, Latin, Hebrew, and Aramaic is another word for armor. So when he talks about the armor of God, that same word of armor is the word integrity. You ever hear it about what's the integrity of our armor? Are you following me? Another word is principle. That's integrity too. Honest, uh, honesty, that's integrity. Honor, how do I be honorable and honest at the same time? That's integrity. Look at what scripture says. Look at what it says in Proverbs 2, 7. It says, he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield of those who walk with integrity. I declare this over every dad today. Proverbs 2, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 27, 19, 1. It says, better is the poor uh, the who walks in integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Psalm 7, verse 8 says, the Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. My question that I get asked a lot is, why do we need integrity? Why do we need it? Because integrity is the guide. Integrity is what the prophetic word doesn't give you. Integrity, I'm not, please do not believe that I'm putting a very uh, a big hole or a loophole here. But integrity is what the message does not speak to you about. Integrity protects you. It's the guide. Listen, there will come a season when you will feel so convicted all on your own. And God's watching how you respond to the areas he's trying to grow you in. And based on your response will determine the level of your promotion and the favor that comes on your life, man. Integrity is a God. There will be times where you will not know what to do. Look at what Proverbs 11.3 says. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity, their double-mindedness, their wayward. They live in one world and live in the other. There will be times when you have to make a decision and you don't have a prophetic word. You don't have a sense of direction. The, your, your leader's not picking up the phone. Nobody's texting you back. Nothing's coming up. And you're just knowing at the end of the day, I'm going to be integrity. I'm going to be integrous because my integrity is not for sale. Integrity is what guides us. I had this thought about David. You know, a lot of people think David was the one that got the throne because he uh, uh, ran uh, to Goliath. No. David got the throne because he ran from Saul. Because David running to Goliath was courage. But David running from Saul, integrity. Are you following me? You have to know 
how to do the right thing. You look at, uh, can I just say this? You men, we will have an eternal effect on our children by the way we live in this area right here. It doesn't matter how successful you are. If this area is clouded, you're disqualified. You may think nobody knows it. It will never visit on my kids. It'll be my secret. That's how, that's the lie of iniquity. Iniquity is passed through the DNA. You ever heard the saying more is caught than taught? That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to pick up the same attitudes that led you there. They're going to pick up the same dysfunctions that led you there. They're going to pick up the same habits that led you there. The same model that you lived your life, they're going to still struggle because you didn't stand in integrity. I put this warning to you. Integrity has to guide us more. As men, as men, I, I don't care. I, I don't care if you if you're caramel like me, Hispanic doesn't matter. You don't get a pass. Come on, where are all the caramel people at? Talk to me. You all. And then we got some chocolate folk up in this room. Come on, chocolate, make some noise. Hello, and we got a lot of whipped cream up in this room at 9 a.m. What I am telling you doesn't matter what flavor you are. It all matters and centers around integrity. You remember Bertie Madoff? probably have heard this name once or twice. Bertie Madoff started what is called the Ponzi scheme. He, he literally hustled people, $65 billion out of people, squandered all the money, people's life savings, people's 401ks, people's uh, nest egg, the rainy day fund, everything. And then he could not live with the guilt of literally doing this to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of families. You look at the documentary on his life, he goes and turns himself in amidst to everything so that he can clear his conscience. But let me tell you something, the damage is already done. You could tell as he's in the courtroom, it's probably the shortest trial ever of this capacity and this much profile because he sits there and they said, Mr. Madoff, are you guilty of everything that you've done? He said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, what would you like to say to the people? He just turns around and says, sorry. That's it. Now, Bernie Madoff is paying his debt to society in a prison. But I'm, I'm telling, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this is how it'll affect our sons. Bernie Madoff's son was ridiculed because the Madoff name was absolutely damaged. He couldn't find a job. And then when he did, they would try to figure out his dad's schemes. And his son was trying to get out from under that. And the pressures and the embarrassment and the shame that came with Bernie's son being Bernie's son was so much to bear that he ended up taking his own life. Bernie's Bernie's in a prison cell thinking his conscience is clear, but his son paid the ultimate price. This is why integrity matters. It's more than just a pin this morning. It's a lifestyle. Integrity is the guide. How do we keep integrity? Can I tell you something? Number two, integrity is maintained. Integrity is maintained. I, I want to say this to you. When, you. when you give your life to Jesus, that is when your integrity is fully restored. But after that point, it is now our responsibility, remember, train yourself to maintain our integrity. And let me say this too. No one is qualified, including myself, to talk about integrity. In fact, the guys who wrote about it in Scripture were the ones who failed at it the most. David, Solomon, Peter. Are you following me? They understood the real win for a man, for a father, is in this place right here. Integrity. When you repent of sin in your life, your integrity is restored, but that integrity has to be maintained. We maintain everything else, 
We maintain our 401ks. We maintain our status. We maintain our cars. Our cars have to go in for certain maintenance every now and then. Our homes have to be maintained. If we got a leak or if we got a pipe or we got something, everything has to be maintained. But why would we not maintain our integrity? That we are, I believe the men of Hill City are men who don't just know how to get integrity, but how to sustain it, maintain it, grow it, and use it to holy advantage to take ground. Come on, can someone believe God with me? Let me show you this in Job chapter 2. I told you I'm teaching this morning. Man, I want to preach this so bad. I'm holding myself back. All right? Job chapter 2. Look at what Job does. You probably talked the ultimate bad day. This guy loses his home, loses his businesses, loses his entire family except his wife. That's a bad day. Because his wife is not something to sing and write songs about. I'll tell you that right now. You'll see it right here. Look at Job chapter 2, verse 3. It says, then the Lord, the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? Notice who brings up Job. It is not Satan. God's like, did you, did you notice Job? If it were me, we're like, God, stop. Like, that's uncalled for. Come on, Mansfield. You know what I'm talking about? That's uncalled for. Stop it. Online's like, that's facts. I was thinking that the same thing, right? Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Watch this. And he has maintained his integrity. Wow. You want to get noticed by God? It's not your numbers. It's not your ratios. It's not your polished look. It's integrity. Even though you urged me to harm him without cause, Satan replied, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his own health, or take away Job's health, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said, all right, do it with him as you please, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Here's what I get asked. Pastor Chris, how do I maintain integrity? How do I do that? By knowing the word. We have the most Bible illiterate generation on the planet, which is why we have the most scandal which is why we have the most perverted, which is why we have the most gross wickedness. You can't even watch television commercials without something blowing up in your face and you gotta get a mind scrub going. I'm telling you, this is why. Because we have fought the wrong battles. We thought the battles was to be liked or the battles was to be noticed or the battle was to be acknowledged. No, the battle was for our integrity. And it's our job to know his word. Look at what Proverbs 10 verse 29 says. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those who to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. In other words, the way of the Lord, how do I know the way of the Lord? The word of the Lord. The word of God. Your Bible, your prayers, your searching his heart. This is how we maintain integrity. I, I, I like what Psalms 119.11, it's a very familiar verse probably to those of us, but it's very simple. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I can't tell you how many times I've read my Bible and it felt dry at 5.36 a.m. But then I'm in a meeting at 1 p.m. And what I read that morning is coming up in the meeting and God has given me guidance. Come on, can I get a better amen from those who love their Bible? 
I can't tell you how many times I've been praying and God will drop a word on the inside of me. It makes no sense. But then I get into a conversation with one of my kids or perhaps my wife and it, that word comes out and it releases, it carries so much weight, it releases courage and life right on into them. That is hiding his word, his spoken word and his written word in your heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, I don't want to make you so image conscious. I don't want to make you paranoid, but I do want to make you spiritually aware. Men, we are called into this place of integrity. Would you stand up?